The Late Morning Program with Nam Ras Podcast. Hare Krishna, everyone. You are listening to the number one Hare Krishna podcast in the world, the Late Morning Program. With yours truly, my name is Namras Das. Uh, I'm here from uh, New Jersey, uh, coming to you live. And I'm here with uh, Sundar Gopal Prabhu, Simon Haas. Sundar Gopal Prabhu, thank you so much for joining me. Namras, it's such a pleasure. And thank you for having me on your show. I am so excited to have you on the show. First of all, before we get into uh, Sundar Gopal Prabhu's personal journey and then the topic that we're going to talk about at hand, I just want to Give a little shout out to Sundar Gopal Prabhu for his book, uh, Yoga and the Dark Night of the Soul. And if you guys can see that, The Soul's Journey to Sacred Love. A few months ago, I was going through some real difficult times in my life, and someone suggested I read this book. This book really, really helped me. It was just fantastic. It, it just talks so much about struggle that we might be going through in our lives, in our spiritual lives, in our material lives. And I just want to Really thank you, Prabhu. I'm really grateful that you wrote this book, and it really helped me personally. And I know another uh, many other devotees have been helped by that. So for all my listeners, if you don't have this book, do yourself a favor. Go get this book. You can even get it for your friends who are um, you know, not Hare Krishna devotees, but who are just normal people. They can also uh, benefit from that book. So again, thank you, Prabhu, for, for, for uh, writing that book. Fantastic book. Okay. Thank you for your kind words, Namrasa Prabhu. Yes. Hare Krishna. So um, let's get into it. Sundar Gopal I don't know so much about you, but I've heard so many wonderful things about you. Why don't you start off and tell us a little bit about your personal journey, where you grew up, uh, what you were doing until you came to now you're doing a six-year uh, PhD program and all that stuff. Please tell us. So uh, going back to the beginning of this birth, <laughs> um, my father, uh, Gauranga Sundar Peru, he he became a devotee in 1975, just around the time I was born. And this was in Germany. And in Germany at that time, there, there, there weren't any facilities or it wasn't easy if you had a family and you had children. There was, there was no Gurukula. So he had traveled to France to meet Shri Prabhupada. And he saw in New Mayapur this incredible uh, property with a castle and farm community and, and so many um, so many children in, in Gurukul, and he was completely inspired by that. So when I was four years old, we uh, drove, we, we packed up a car and, and um, uh, put a trunk on the roof rack and just moved over to, to New Mayapur. So wow. I grew up in Gurukul. Um, let's see, who can, I, who can I name drop? I'll name drop um, uh, Manu, whose name now is Manorama. Manorama. I was in the same ashram as him. Oh, wow. Interesting. So, so we grew up together. He's a little bit older than I am. And um, also uh, the main sannyasi in New Mayapur was His Holiness Indra Swami. Oh. And um, we would have incredible kirtans, incredible prashad. And um, my personal experience in New Mayapur was a, was a good one. And, and I, I um, you know, to grow up in the countryside like that, surrounded by friends and beautiful deities, Eventually, we moved to England in 1987 and uh, moved to a town called Leicester. And there as well, uh, quite a large devotee community. 
The temple was run by um, His Grace Jagat Parushpuru, and and uh, so his his children were there too, and they grew up there. Um, Anapayani Komala Kumari, you had her on the show. Yes, she of spoke so well. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, so after that, I continued my education there and began to travel to India, and spent quite a bit of time there. And in right, you wrote, 90s, that, you wrote that in the book, uh, The Dark Night of the Soul, yeah. In, in 1991, I, I went to, to India and spent some time in the Gurukula there. And um, that was the time when I met my spiritual master, Shishimad Bhaktivedanta Narayan Goswami Maharaj. And at that time, many devotees from ISKCON were going to, to see him in Mathura quite regularly, and I would go with them. And I, in later years, I had the opportunity to travel with him for, live with him and travel with him for year, for several years, wow. um, helping with his writing. So I would read his handwritten notes and and um, what he would write by hand and type it up in Hindi. And more recently, um, I've been working on these two books and and sharing the teachings of bhakti in yoga studios around the world. Um, that has led me also to the United Nations, which was very exciting, sharing the, the, the teachings of Dharma at, at the UN and um, the dispute resolution division of the UN, uh, giving some workshops there. Um, I then have worked on my master's at, at the University of Oxford. I'm currently working on a PhD on this particular topic, uh, the Swarup of the Jiva, the ontology of the self. <laughs> uh, that's like a quick summary. Um, okay. Very nice. Um, so this has been a very uh, contentious topic, uh, to say the least. I mean, there's many devotees online who are discussing this, sometimes in a nice way, sometimes in a not-so-nice way. Um, so I just want to ask you, what do you feel? I mean, this all surrounds... Um, Kind of the podcast I did with His Holiness Padmanabh Maharaj regarding the inherency of the of the jiva, which we will get into uh, inherency of bhakti within the jiva, and and we'll get into that. But at first, I want to talk a little bit about controversy because I asked Maharaj this question also: How what is you feel the best way to navigate controversy around Siddhanta specifically? Well, first, I, I want to start by saying that despite the somewhat provocative title of the, of, of the episode, right. <laughs> my, I'm approaching this um, not in a way, my intention is not to aggravate uh, the polemic and create controversy and conflict. I think that we live in a world where there's so much division and there's so much conflict. And yeah. it's really quite painful to see that in our own devotional or spiritual communities. I, I've certainly felt that over the years. And I, I've seen also others, you know, thinking and saying, well, why do the Godias, you know, there's so many difficulties in the world, so many challenges. Individuals are going through their personal challenges also. Uh, why are the Godias, you know, locked in debate all the time <laughs> on, <laughs> on, on various kind of philosophical intricacies that don't seem to really matter to everyday life. Right. So in this episode, my aim certainly is not to uh, increase conflict or controversy. I also, my aim is also not to tell anyone what beliefs to hold. <laughs> 
Um, I'm very excited about being here today because I want to share some, some research findings, uh, historical and textual research findings that I feel are potentially groundbreaking and that can really change the nature of the discussion or the debate on this particular issue. You feel like now, you can change the debate a little bit on this? I, I, I think it'll change. I think it, ha it has the potential to just take it in a different, uh, to, 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 to take it in a different direction and, and open it up to new considerations. Fascinating. And the way I, I look at this, you know, uh, controversy in, in our tradition is, well, um, I'm reminded of what Shirajiva Goswami says. He, he says in Paramatma Sandarbha, that the Supreme Lord has a beautiful jewel, a jewel that is, there's no jewel like it. And it, it's extremely, it has no value. It's so precious, it has no value. Now, some jewels, most the jewels of this world, you actually need a light to shine on them to be able to see them. In darkness, you won't see a sapphire or a diamond, but this jewel is self-illuminating. It shines by its own light. And it's the Kaustuba gem, and, and the Supreme Lord wears that. It has um, limitless uh, multicolored rays, fine rays that emanate from it. And Shirajiva Goswami explains that each one of those rays is, is a jiva. And those jivas are so dear to Krishna, so dear to the Supreme Lord, that he wears the Kaustuba jewel on his chest always and takes it wherever he goes. So reading this in, in Paramatma Sandarbha, it would be ironic to discuss the topic of Jiva Tattva and to discuss you know, whether or not uh, love and devotion is inherent in the self and to, to have like a, a mood of conflict or enmity with anyone. Mm. It's just, it's, it's, it's self-contradictory. <laughs> it doesn't, wouldn't make any sense. Right. If our reading of Shastra is making our, heart, our hearts harder rather than softer, then there's something wrong with what we're doing. Beautiful. Yeah. So, so you think that navigating controversy is that it should be done in a soft and it should be done in a, in a, in a very sensitive way, as opposed to a way to kind of, uh, push on someone's own idea or someone's own, uh, whatever, maybe someone's own guru might be saying it should be done in a way that's, uh, palatable to everyone. Yeah, exactly. With deep respect for any for all jivas, and what to speak of Vaishnavas who are and Vaishnavis who are described as being the heart of Sri Krishna. Right. Um, also, there's one verse from Sri Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami that's maybe one of the most misused verses, and that's Siddhanta Boliye Siddhanta Boliya Chitte Nakara Alas. Alas. So right. a lot of people interpret that as meaning don't be lazy about right. debating Siddhanta. Right. But but that's not at all what it says. Um, really? Um, Chitte nakara alas means don't be lazy in the mind. And bo, bolia is, comes from the verb bola, but it's the past participle. And in Bengali, the past participle bolia it has a very idiomatic usage. It means because of or considering that. So this verse is saying, don't be lazy in the mind just because it's Siddhanta. So the verse appears in Adilila, um, early, early in Adilila. And if you, if you remember from Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita, there's a lot of Siddhanta at the beginning. 
So most people just skip over to the Leela, <laughs> Mahaprabhu's birth and so on. So Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami is saying, um, don't skip over this. Um, don't, don't neglect it just because it's Siddhanta. That Siddhanta will fix your mind on Sri Krishna. But that doesn't mean that it's, it's saying, you know, we should go in public forums and start debating Siddhanta. Um, and, and, um, and, and that's the way to move from Kanishta to Madhyam. And, and, you know, exposure to controversy is the way that we will establish Siddhanta. There's a very particular method in our tradition for establishing Siddhanta. And that's laid out by Sri Madhvacharya in his Katalakshanam. So I think most in most viewers will know the three different types of conversation, which has been discussed previously, um, Jalpa, Vitanda, and Vad. So Vad um, has a very particular uh, definition when it comes to Tattva Siddhanta. So Sri Madhvacharya explains, Tattva Nirnaya Mudishya Kevalang Guru Shishyayo so it says here that um, to understand Siddhanta, it, it's, it's not a matter of discussion between just anyone and anyone. So like on, on Facebook in the comment section, it says, <laughs> guru shishyayo, between a guru and a disciple with the sole intent of understanding Tattva Siddhanta with that kind of conversation is called vad in relation to, to, to shastra and it's shubha shubha means it's auspicious it means that it it will yield the desired result mm. now a lot of the the you know when we get into this uh argumentative mode a lot of the time it's not shubha it's ashubha <laughs> yeah <laughs> and we can feel it you know we can ask ourselves do i feel inspired by this <laughs> you know, am i coming out of this conversation feeling like uh, you know, I want to serve the Vaishnavas more. I want to. So if it isn't doing that, if it's crippling our devotion, it's Ashuba. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so now maybe we can talk a little bit about why is that even important? This question of the Bhakti, of, of Bhakti being inherent in the Jiva. Why is it even an important thing to discuss? Okay. Um, to be able to understand that, we need to know the history of the controversy. The controversy is 80 years old. And it goes back to the time when two closest associates, disciples of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur Prabhupada, Ananta Vasude and Sundarananda Vidyavinod, they left the Gaudiamat after the departure of Srila Saraswati Thakur. And they, um, Ananta Vasudev, who was at that time uh, Puri Maharaj, he gave up his sannyas and became Puri Das and lived at Sri Radha Kund. And um, Sundarananda Vidya Vinod in 1963 or 64, he wrote a book entitled uh, Vaishnava Siddhante Sri Guru Swarup, in which he laid out his uh, criticisms of the Gaudiya Mat and, and everything that he considered to be uh, deviations. And really that, the allegation is that the lineage, the Guru Parampara of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur Prabhupada is illegitimate. And the cornerstone argument of that, one of the cornerstone arguments of that is this particular issue. And 
saying that Shirabhakti Vinod Thakur was wrong in, in explaining that bhakti is inherent in the jiva. Actually, Shilabhakti Nautakur doesn't even say that bhakti is inherent in the jiva. He says, so quoting from chapter two of, of Jaiva Dharma, Krishna Dasyai Sei Bimal Prem Ataev Krishna Dasyaru Premi Jivar Swarup Dharma. He actually says Prema is inherent in, in, in the self. He says, servitude to Krishna is pure Prema. Therefore, Ataev, therefore, Prema in the form of servitude to Krishna is the Jiva's Svarup Dharma or intrinsic nature. So there are groups, Agodia groups, who, who allege that Thakur um, Bhakti, they may not always say it openly, but they allege that Srila Bhakti no Thakur's lineage is, is defective for, for various reasons. They say that Srila Bhakti no Thakur. Um, uh, his presentation on the ontology of the self is apasiddhanta, and it's his own recent innovation. It has no support in Shastra or tradition. And that it is discontinuous with Srila Jiva Goswami and the Chaitanya Vaishnava tradition. So it becomes, a, a, you know, it becomes an, an important topic, partly because of that. But there's another reason also. This is not a side teaching. It's not like some kind of technical point that Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur is teaching. It's central to, to, to his teachings. It's a central pillar of his teachings, as well as of other Acharyas afterwards, especially Srila Prabhupada. So Srila Prabhupada writes, for example, Srila Prabhupada writes in Adi Lila, his, his purport on Adi Lila chapter 7, he says, love, love of God is dormant in everyone. Right. And if one is given a chance to hear about the Lord, certainly that love develops. Our Krishna consciousness movement acts on this principle. So it's a principle on which the mission of Srila Prabhupada and Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur have been constructed. Um, it's not like, uh, you know, like a little technical point. It's all over. I mean, if Namrasa, if you look at Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur's books right from the early 70s, um, Data Kaustuba, you find it there, published in 1973. Uh, Krishna Samhita, 1979, it's there. Uh, Shri Chitane it's there even much more. Um, Jaiva Dharma, it finds its culmination in Jaiva Dharma, completed in 1896. When you say when you say it's there, you're saying the the, the statement that bhakti is that, is dormant within the jiva. That that prema is inherent in prema. the self. That prema is the swarup or the nature of the self. The swarup is, yeah. is inherent. Okay. Um, um, I want to just clarify my use of terms. Um, yeah. I'm using swarup in t uh, to mean nature, which is how our acharyas mostly use it. So swarup means nature. Everything has, has a nature. So, you know, uh, uh, bhakti has a nature, fire has a nature, and the qualities or the characteristics, the attributes that form the nature of something is called the swarup lakshana. So the jiva also has a nature, and that's called the swarup. Sometimes swarup is also used to mean siddha deha. But if it's used in that way, you need to make, make it clear that's how you're using it. So you could say siddha swarup, or you could say siddha deha. So if I'm saying swarup, I mean just nature. Intrinsic, na essential nature. Essential nature. So I'm not super technical or smart when it comes to this topic, but... 
for like the lay person. So are you saying that like, for example, our Swarup, our identity in the spiritual world, is that what is dormant in the soul? Like, for example, if I am a uh, cowherd boy or something, not to make it, not to talk about it in a very light way, but because this is a very serious and grave kind of topic, but let's just say for the sake of example, is that is that Swarup dormant in my heart right now and then I, or in the, my jiva and I, I, I can uncover that? Is that what is it saying? We'll definitely come to that. We'll definitely come okay. to that topic. Okay. Um, sure. But I, I, I want to say that in, in particular, I'm focusing here on the, the question of whether prema is, prema. Yeah, is, is, is somehow in the swarup of the jiva, inherent in the jiva, I should say. Okay, so there's there's difference from what we're saying because there's there's like they're this connected. They're definitely connected. Okay, I see. I see what you're saying. And we will definitely we'll touch on on that topic uh, sure. when we look at 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 uh, Paramatma Sandarbha and so on. But the main focus is on whether perfected bhakti or prema is the is the swarup of the jiva. So right. in, in the way that Shila Bhaktivinoda Thakur says. He says that the sarup of the jiva is dasya, to be an eternal servant of Krishna. Right. And dasya implies prema. Mm. Okay. So is there anything else you want to say regarding the, the initial question about uh, why is this even important to discuss until we, uh, before we move on to another point? Um, We could perhaps, I mean, I, we could perhaps discuss uh, discuss uh, the presentation of, or an aspect of the presentation of Padmanabh Swami, because sure. that will then also underscore why it's important. Sure. Um, sure. So, and this will also be helpful for 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 the audience. Um, right. you know, perhaps some some who haven't who haven't viewed um, Padmanabh Swami's presentation. Right. He, Padmanabh Swami is ba basically he. Um, is presenting three claims. And I just want to say, first of all, that although I have some points of disagreement with Padmanabh Swami, I love him dearly. <laughs> and um, after his podcast episode, um, I actually reached out to him you know, immediately because he had shared some very personal things about his spiritual journey. And it takes a lot of courage to do that. Yeah. And I consider him to be um, an incredible uh, Vaishnav and sannyasi and, and a real inspiration. And um, though I disagree on certain points, I always maintain incredible, uh, deep respect and affection for him. So I want to thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. You know, I think it shows so much about both of you as Vaishnavas that you're able to disagree on something, but at the same time, remain friends, remain respectful, and even show publicly so much affection uh, for each other. So thank you for sharing that, Prabhu. He actually, I, I actually asked him for his blessings before coming on this show. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> and he's such a generous Vaishnav that he gave it from his heart. <laughs> <laughs> so please go ahead, yeah. So, so uh, essentially Padmanabh Swami is, if I haven't misunderstood him, he's making three claims. The first claim is that Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur's presentation on the jiva, on, on bhakti being in uh, prema or bhakti being inherent in the jiva, it contradicts certain statements of Srila Jiva Goswami in the Sandarbhas. Right. And because Srila Jiva Goswami is the systematizer of our tradition, he takes priority 
And we accept what he says as Siddhanta. And what Shiddha Bhaktivinoda Thakur is explaining here is against that Siddhanta. So uh, it's, it's not Siddhanta. That's the first claim. The second claim is that Thakur Bhaktivinoda presented this Appa Siddhanta for a particular reason, which was as a preaching strategy. Right. And the third claim is that this preaching strategy has now reached its shelf life. There's no reason for us to continue using it. Those are the three. If you take take a look at what he's saying, that's a, a brief summary. Okay. Obviously, he he presents evidence um, for for some of that, not all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, he, here's the thing, and I'm going to look at this through the lens of the study of religion. There are, in relation to a particular teaching within a tradition, there are basically four possible responses to it, broadly speaking. And we'll go through them. There's unqualified acceptance, qualified acceptance, qualified rejection, and unqualified rejection. So unqualified acceptance means everyone accepts it. Everyone embraces the teaching. Like Krishna Stu Bhagavan Swayam, as explained by Shri Jiva Goswami, everyone uh, in, the, in our Gaudiya community accepts that Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead. All avatars come from him. So in other words, teaching X is true. The second category is qualified acceptance. X is true, but it's not as true as teaching Y. So an example of that is Shri Vishwanath Chakrabarti Thakur's commentary to the first verse of Srimad Bhagavatam. Srimad Bhagavatam has such a diversity of teachings. There's Sankhya, uh, Vaisheshika, Vedanta, and so on. And also a Mahapurana needs to have, uh, there are criteria for a a Mahapurana. It has to explain certain um, things. So it's a diversity of teachings. Srila Vishwanath Chakrabarti Thakur doesn't, he accepts everything in Srimad Bhagavatam. It's It's the spotless Purana, but he creates a hierarchy of teachings. Some teachings, they're more illuminating than others. And the highest teachings contain more rasa. And so he creates a hierarchy and some teachings are more important. They have greater uh, significance than others. The next category is qualified rejection. X is not true. Teaching X is not true, but there was a legitimate reason for its dissemination. So an example of that is Shankaracharya teaching Advaita Vad. So Shankaracharya is Mahadev, Lord Shiva. He presented uh, a teaching that's not true. That's what we accept in our tradition. It's, it's not a true teaching, but he did it for a legitimate reason, which was to uh, um, bring back faith in the, in the teachings of the Vedas, especially the Upanishads. And Buddha, um, uh, Lord Buddha is another example of that category. And then the last category is unqualified rejection. X is not true, and there's no legitimate reason for its dissemination. So what you have here is a teaching we've grown up with. Devotees have, you know, in their spiritual life, uh, or, or, you know, they, they've grown up with this teaching that Bhakti is inherent. You you see it all over Shri Prabhupada's teachings. You know that famous um, explanation of the Maha Mantra 
as living spiritual souls, we are all, by Srila Prabhupada, we are all originally Krishna conscious entities. Yes. But due yes. to our association with matter from time immemorial, our consciousness is now polluted by material atmosphere. And a little bit later, I mean, it's the potency of that, of Srila Prabhupada's words. It's like, <laughs> he, you can hear his conviction. He, um, and he says a little bit later, um, Krishna consciousness is not an artificial imposition on the mind. This consciousness is the original energy of the living entity. By hearing this transcendental vibration, this consciousness is revived. <laughs> it's just like, so um, you have a teaching that we've all accept, we've all placed in category one. We accept it without qualification. And now it's being placed in category three. Uh, so it's, it's, it's not true. But there was a reason for for disseminating it, qualified, and then it gets it gets demoted. Rejection. To, qualified rejection. Qualified rejection. Qualified rejection. But then it gets demoted even further, because the third claim is that there's no longer any legitimate reason for keeping the preaching strategy. It's 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 reached its shelf life, so it gets demoted to the final category, the fourth category, which is unqualified rejection. So you have a teaching that we've always seen in category one suddenly plummet to category four. That will create a response in the devotee community. Right. I see what you're saying. It wow. will. Right. So can we talk a little bit more about the preaching strategy? Because I know a lot of devotees have issue with that. Right. Okay. Um, was it was it so even if it was or was or wasn't maybe kind of from your point of view we can talk about that this is the weakest part with respect this is the weakest part of uh, padmanabh swami's presentation because he doesn't if you're going to make a claim like that you have to present evidence and he doesn't provide any evidence it so it remains merely a conjecture in fact all of the evidence points in exactly the opposite direction that presentation on on this on on the swarup of the jiva was his deeply held conviction and understanding which he saw as being completely in accord with the teachings of Srila jiva goswami so um in a previous episode you took a look at what well, we all took a look at um i say i'm, I'm saying we because I, I i watch many of your episodes namra so oh, thank you, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um, so um uh, Lucien Wong, Lalit right. Madhavpuru, he spoke yeah. on the Krishna Samhita, right? So in the Krishna Samhita, um, Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur uses Adhunik Vichar, which is like a contemporary, a contemporary approach, a modern approach to Shastra. He's prepared to entertain the thought that Srimad Bhagavatam might just be a thousand years old, because that's what scholars and philologists were saying at the time. But there is a transition in Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur's works from his early works before he accepted Diksha and his later works. And of course, Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur is, is Nitya Siddha. We accept him as Nitya Siddha. But just like Mahaprabhu, there are stages in the life of Mahaprabhu from right. Nimai Pandit to Bhavuk Nimai to uh, Mahaprabhu. The, uh, the, the effulgent sannyasi and Sri Jagannath Puri. So also there are stages in the life of Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur. 
And if you look at the second edition, so uh, uh, Krishna Samhita was published just before, uh, just before his his diksha. Um, so 1879, he completed it, but um, or around the same time. So, but he completed it a, a little bit before. Um, many of the verses of of many of the sections of um, of Krishna Samhita were actually composed in the early 1870s when he was working on Datta Kostuba. But if you look at the second edition of Krishna Samhita, which he published in 18 uh, in, in 1903, I think, he makes changes, important changes. He says, these, this idea that the Srimad Bhagavatam is only a thousand years old, that's what they think, the scholars and, and, and uh, philologists, we don't accept that. He makes that very, very clear. So he's distancing himself from, from any claim like that. He's no longer interested in Adhunik Vichar. He wants to present the teachings of Mahaprabhu as they are without trying to please various, uh, you know, scholars. So with um, this teaching of bhakti being inherent in the soul, that teaching doesn't diminish over time, but it's actually amplified. It becomes, uh, um, it becomes more and more, um, Shura Bhakti Thakur speaks about it more and more, in his later writings, and it finds its culmination in Jaiva Dharma. I mean, um, that that bhakti is inherent in the jiva is the is the premise of the title Jaiva Dharma. Jaiva Dharma means the nitya dharma of the jiva, which is dasya and prema. So that's the first thing uh, to, to understand that that this is found throughout Shri Bhakti Thakur's writing. It's in his commentary on Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita. Even his very late writings, you'll find this teaching very prominently. So you would expect, if it was a preaching strategy, to uh, begin diminishing, but it, it actually is amplified. Now, Padmanabh Swami says that the reason, uh, he explained that he thinks the reason this preaching strategy was used is because Thakur Bhakti Vinod was reaching to an audience, the, the Bajralok. Um, the, these are um, intellectuals, uh, mostly in, 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 in Calcutta, which was uh, a, cent a cent center of the British Empire in Southeast Asia. And they, they had a British education and were working in the, in, in, in the uh, British administration, many of them. So the, the idea is that they could not relate or easily understand concepts like anadi uh, without beginning. Right. The soul being, uh, the jivas in this world being caught up in samsara from a time without beginning. So he adopted this preaching strategy. But there's so many difficulties with that. Um, anadi is not a difficult concept. Actually, it's not a difficult concept. And you have to remember that the Bajralok, they may have had a British education, but they were Hindus. They, they grew up in Hindu families, traditional families, most of them. They were well aware of ideas like Anadi. In fact, many from the Bajralok, they found their religious identity in Advaitabad, in, in, in Advaita Vedanta. And in Advaita Vedanta, Anadi is paramount. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it, it's a, an early concept that is emphasized right from the beginning when studying Advaita Vedanta. And then 
In Jaiva Dharma, Thakur Bhaktivinoda introduces the concept of anadi. So if he was using a preaching strategy to get around or avoid a concept in a book, why would he introduce that concept in the very book that he's using to uh, disseminate a preaching strategy? It just it doesn't, doesn't make any sense. Um, also, if you look in Jaiva Dharma, um, who's articulating this? This, I, this uh, understanding that bhakti is inherent in the jiva, it's articulated by Prem, Sri Prem Das Babaji, who's described as being a disciple of Prajumna Brahmachari, an associate of Mahaprabhu, and also by Raghunath Babaji, who's described as being a disciple of Sri Raghunath Das Goswami. They're, they're described as being Siddha Mahapurushas. Um, why would they uh, employ, uh, uh, why would they uh, uh, be speaking Adhunik Vichar and, and Apasiddhanta? It just, it would be deaf, tone deaf to the narrative even, because this is one generation after Mahaprabhu that Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur is describing. They, you know, there were no British in India at that time, um, no Christian missionaries. Why would these two personalities, who are described as siddhas, be, be, be uh, uh, teaching apasiddhanta, especially in, in the section on dashamula shiksha? So this is found in dashamula shiksha, the essential teachings of Mahaprabhu. Why would Bhakti Shiva Bhakti Inod Thakur introduce as part of the essential teachings of Mahaprabhu um, apasiddhanta or, or use adhunik vichad? I, yeah, I, I could go on for probably a day on this topic. Um, I'll finish with one, one observation. Sure. And this is a question. It's a question because I haven't seen a response to this. Um, I guess, you know, no one has, we haven't asked it yet. But in this idea of a preaching strategy, are we saying, is the idea that Shida Bhaktivinoda Thakur and all the Acharyas after him, such as Shida Prabhupada, were somehow secretly colluding in this preaching strategy? Or is the idea that Shiva Bhaktivinoda Thakur was using a preaching strategy and Acharyas after him, like Shiva Bhakti Pragyan Keshava Goswami Maharaj, like Shiva Bhakti Vedanta Swami Prabhupada, were just blindly following? Either way, it's, it's highly problematic. Um, Really, this is this idea of a preaching strategy is just it's not evidence based. So it's actually what it really is, is a theological fiction. Um, you want to present uh, a particular understanding of the Siddhanta, but our recent Acharyas don't support that. So you come up with a preaching strategy idea as a theological fiction so that it, you know, what you're saying is acceptable. Um, but, but without any evidence, it just remains conjecture. I, I think the 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 where what it goes back to is uh, quote the quoting of Jiva Goswami's sandarbhas of why bhakti is not inherent. Right. So so how can we do we know or are we sure if Bhaktivinoda Bhakti Vinod Thakur even was familiar with the sandarbhas? Oh, what a good question! Yeah, that is a, a very important question. As followers of Shiva Bhakti Vinod Thakur. We of course, um, we of course say that he is immediately, but some devotees may have some lingering doubts about that, and so you know it's a question that that that, that that's definitely worth um, addressing. Uh, 
Thakur Bhaktivinod began a rigorous period of study in Jagannath Puri in 1870 onwards. He was stationed in Jagannath Puri and he began studying the, the books of our tradition of the Gaudiya Vaishnav tradition. Now, one reason that this question is, a, is, is an interesting and important one is that it's very, it was now, nowadays we can easily get almost any text online. Right. So, you know, Shuchitanya Charitamrita is at a click of a finger away. Um, the, the Sandarbhas also, and, and so on. But Thakur Bhaktivinoda actually spent many, many years searching for a copy of Shuchitanya Charitamrita and wasn't able to find it. So, you know, did he actually have uh, the Sandarbhas? Well, Thakur Bhaktivinoda writes that he, he himself by hand copied all of the Sandarbhas so that he had his own personal copy of all of the Sandarbhas. And in the 1870s, he was already writing verses in Sanskrit, the verses of Datta Kaustubha and Krishna Samhita. So he, he had fluency in Sanskrit and he was studying the Sandarbhas with, under the tutelage of a very learned Vaishnav named Gopinath Pandit. And Thakur Bhaktivinod, he, he was studying so quickly and absorbing this so quickly that the other students who were studying with him couldn't keep up. <laughs> so there was one student who had uh, had a, uh, he had previously studied Nyaya in Navadrip and, and the other student had previously studied uh, in Varanasi, he had studied uh, Vedanta, but they couldn't keep up. So Thakur Bhaktivinod was learning and then teaching them in turn. And if you look at his Thakur Bhaktivinod's books, he's quoting the Sandarbhas in many places, I mean, especially Sri Chaitanya Shikshamrita, he's, he's uh, translating large sections into Bengali from the Sandarbhas. He considered Srila Jiva Goswami to be his, his guardian, Srila uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur, and his inspiration for his own writing. So wow. there's, there's one uh, incident where he became ill from, um, from his writing work, uh, overexertion in his writing, as he describes it. He, he became very ill and there was no medicine that could help him. And he prayed to Srila Jiva Goswami that, you know, I have to finish my, this work, please help me. And immediately he, um, he, he re recu recuperated and he attributes that remarkable recovery to the, the, the mercy of Srila Jiva Goswami. Um, there's a lot of evidence that clearly points that Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur was deeply familiar with the, the Sandarbhas. Mm -hmm. So, again, going back to Maharaj's presentation, he gave a lot of Shastrak evidence from Jiva Goswami about, you know, why bhakti is, is what he says, bhakti is uh, not inherent uh, in the Jiva. So why does it, why does Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur explain this topic in a way that seems that it's new and kind of unsupported by Shastra and tradition? Okay, this is this is great. Now I get I'll have a you're giving me an opportunity kindly to share some of these research findings. Yeah, um, yeah. That what you've just explained is exactly the 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 point that I had reached when I thought I need to do some research on this, because clearly I thought there's a piece of the puzzle that's missing. Thakur Bhaktivinod, he's you know com entirely familiar in in the Sandarbhas. Actually, you know, one thing, Namrasa, that, that has come out of this research is just how widely read and learned Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur was. 
I mean, it's astonishing. Right. So, and yet he, he seems to be presenting in a way that um, is different to Srila Jiva Goswami, um, at least apparently. Um, Srila Jiva Goswami doesn't say anywhere uh, directly, bhakti is not inherent in the jiva. But he says certain other things that it could be implied that that bhakti cannot be an inherent. And, and Padmanabh Swami mentioned those. So, you know, for example, that that bhakti comes from is bestowed by a Vaishnav. That's, right. That, yeah, that, that the main things, right? That that the jiva is in this world from a you know beginningless you know, beginningless time, Anadi. Mm -hmm. That um uh that that if the if bhakti is inherent in the soul, doesn't that mean that uh, bhakti is svarup shakti? Doesn't that mean then that maya is covering svarup shakti and right. so on? Yes. Or another one, uh, there are 20, tw uh, 21 attributes of the soul given by Srila Jiva Goswami. They don't seem to mention bhakti. Um, so, you know, these various arguments. And we'll, we'll come to some of those in a moment. But sure. first, um, to be able to make this um, understandable, I need to go a little bit back and explain uh, a few key details about the Sandarbhas of Srila Jiva Goswami. Some uh, devotees, you know, watching this will be fully aware of this. Others, I think many others might not be. So I'll, I'll start at the beginning. The, the Sandarbhas are not difficult. So some people sometimes, they, they have this understanding that they're highly esoteric texts and they're very difficult. Most of the Sanskrit is, is really not so difficult. Um, Srila Jiva Goswami writes very clearly um, the, because of the scholastic commentarial tradition, sometimes it's a little bit terse. So meaning that it, he compacts a lot uh, in, in, in a few words and um, may not, uh, um, there are certain parts where he'll say the beginning of a sentence and you're supposed to fill in uh, the rest of it. Um, but it's, it's usually quite evident what he's speaking about. The context explains it. Now, what makes the Sandarbhas difficult is that they were written for an elite audience of Shastric experts who had deep knowledge of the postulates of Vedanta and who were very widely read. So unless you know the sources of, that are being used in the Sandarbhas, it's very difficult to understand what Shiva Jiva Goswami is saying. An example of that is the end of Paramatma Sandarbha. So the end of Paramatma Sandarbha has our first commentary on Vedanta Sutra. Well, the Srimad Bhagavatam is a commentary on Vedanta Sutra itself, but um, the, uh, the next commentary that we have in, in our uh, Chaitanya Vaishnav tradition is by Srila Jiva Goswami himself. And he writes on the first four sutras because traditionally you can write a commentary on the whole Vedanta Sutra, or you can write a commentary on just the first four sutras. And, and that's considered good enough for a commentary. So in that, he relies very heavily on the teachings of Sri Ramanujacharya, the Sri Bhashya. And he'll present arguments from the Sri Bhashya, but he won't finish the whole argument. He'll just present like one part of it. And it, it's unintelligible unless you've read the Sri Bhashya and you understand what he's doing there, that he's referring to, to a particular uh, argument that's developed in the Sri Bhashya of Sri Ramanujacharya. So without understanding the sources, it's very difficult to, to, to understand the Sandarbhas. Uh, 
Now, Srila Jiva Goswami, he wanted to systematize the teachings of the tradition, but he didn't want it to be his own invention. So he takes great care to um, rely on authoritative sources. And he uses those sources as evidence. Of course, he, he then supports that with the verses of Srimad Bhagavatam. Srimad Bhagavatam is his main praman, but he he uses he relies on Sridhar Swami, he relies on Sri Ramanujacharya, he relies on Sri Madhvacharya to some extent, and so on. Now he relies on Sridhar Swami most because he's the most important commentator, original commentator on Srimad Bhagavatam. But in Paramatma Sandarbha, there's an inversion that takes place. He relies more on Sri Ramanujacharya on the Sri Vaishnav tradition even then Sridhar Swami. So Paramatma Sandarbha is the Sandarbha that explains the ontology of the self. He, so he's relying primarily on, 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 on um, Sri Ramanujacharya and the Sri Vaishnava tradition. Why? Why? It's a very good question. It's because the Sri Vaishnava tradition have the most sophisticated ontology of the self. So Sri Ajiva Goswami is taking the best parts from different places. <laughs> He's like <laughs> genius, you know, taking the best parts and putting them together. So mm -hmm. the Sri Vaishnav tradition have such a sophisticated system, uh, ontology of the self, that it can withstand the onslaught of all other rival schools, Sankhya, especially um, Advaita Vedanta. You know, Advaita Vedanta is, is um, okay, in, in, in Shri Chaitanya Charitamrita, it says, it speaks about the, the dangers of um, being with an Advaitin, a Mayavadi. But th there's a reason for that. Um, I mean, one reason is that the heart is like a crystal. We absorb the, the, the attitudes of another person or, or another school for that matter. But um, the, the Advaita Vedanta system is very sophisticated. And, you know, it's it's... Often we have like a caricatured version of it, um, of, of you know Mayavadis. We have like this caricature of it. But if you if you study it, and someone who studies the the, the writings of Sri Ramanujacharya, Sri Madhvacharya, they have to study the writings of Shankaracharya because they're responding to Shankaracharya, and it's a very sophisticated system. And so you need an ontology of the self that can that can uh, stand up to. Um, to, to the Advaita school. And the Sri Sampradaya have been <laughs> have been doing that for centuries. And that's one reason. Another reason is that the Sri Vaishnav Vishishtadvaita system fits very, very neatly with Achintya Veda Veda Tattva. So it works really well. Um, and, and another reason is that the Sandarbhas were not written by Jiva Goswami. They were written by Sri Gopal Bhatta Goswami. Wow, I didn't know and that. Shila Jiva Goswami writes that. He says, Kopitad Bandavo Bhatto Dakshinadvijavangsha Jaha Vivichya Vyalikad Grantam Likitad Vridha Vaishnavai. A certain friend of theirs, meaning a friend of Sri Rupa and Sanatan, a Bhatta, born in a South Indian Brahmin family, wrote this work after gathering the writings of Vridha Vaishnavai, senior Vaishnavas. 
And then Tasyajam Grantanalekam Krantavyut Krantakanditam Paryalochyata Paryayam Kritva Likati Jivakaha. Some parts of the original work were in order, some parts were out of order, and some parts were kandita. Now, kandita means broken. So it means either damaged or missing. Now, after reflection, humble jiva or little jiva is rewriting it in proper sequence. And just to be sure, Shira Jiva Goswami includes that statement at the beginning of every Sandarbha, including Paramatma Sandarbha. And it's confirmed also by Shila Baladev Vidyabhushan Prabhu in his commentary to Tattva Sandarbha. He writes, um, Swarupa Laksh, no, he writes, uh, Grantasya Puratanatvam Sva Parishkritatvam Chaha Kopiti Tad Bandavastayo Rupa Sanatanayor Bhandur Kopala Bhatta Ityartaha. The friend of Sri Rupa and Sanatan that's being referred to is none other than Sri Gopal Bhatta Goswami. He wrote the original work, and what Sri Rajiva Goswami wrote was Sva Parishkritatva, a refinement, an editing, an editing. So Sri Gopal Bhatta Goswami comes from South India, from a Sri Vaishnava Brahmin family. He comes from Sri Rangam. And so that's the reason that um, Sri Gopal Bhatta Goswami, in gathering the materials for the Sandarbhas and writing the first draft, he relies very heavily in certain places on the Sri Vaishnava tradition. So that's like a background. Right. I was going to ask how we got, what was this answering this, what you're mentioning right now? Where did that, um, from the original question, uh, how did we get there? I'm, I just want to make sure I'm following. This is like a, just a, 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 um, a foundational understanding. I see. That okay. will now lead us okay. to uh, a discovery that is really very important. And this is... Um, a set of teachings. Well, this is we're looking here at the sources that Srila Jiva Goswami uses. Because, and I'll, I'll give something away here, the sources that Srila Jiva Goswami uses present the ontology of the self in exactly the same way as Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur does. When 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 uh others are saying that it's not the same. Yeah. Interesting. You look at the source of the ontology of the self. And these writings are not in Sanskrit, they're in Mani Pravala, which is um, Sanskrit, uh, uses Sanskrit vocabulary, but it's uh, the morphosyntax is, is Tamil, and it has a completely different script. It's in Granta script. And, and so it's not accessible so easily to us. But what, 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 the, auth, what the source, and we're gonna come to the source now, um, the source texts say exactly the same thing as Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Shilabhakti Vinod Thakur says um, that, you know, he uses the analogy of, of water changing state, becoming ice. Um, and so the nature of the jiva undergoes a distortion. The source text says the same thing. The source text says that uh, uh, the nature of the jiva is dasya, and that implies prema. Only differences instead of prema uses the term priti, as in priti sandarbha. Um, the same vocabulary, the same analogies. It's, it's astonishing. Um, it, it's really astonishing. And I want to also, um, we'll talk about the implications of that. But so can, I, can I just re reflect what you're saying, just so, so I understand. So you're saying that the sources that Jiva Goswami is quoting from are 
saying something different than what he is saying, but it's agreeing with Bhakti Talk what Bhakti Thakur is saying. Um, the sources that Chilajiva Goswami are using is using, they um, need to be understood as part of Shilajiva Goswami's explanation. Because okay. Shilajiva Goswami cannot be contradicting the very sources he uses. And we'll come to that. Right. So right. Um, when you look at the source that Shilajiva Goswami uses, um, you will uh, we, we find that not only does it match Shilabhaktivinoda Thakur, but if it's understood correctly, it doesn't even contradict Shilajiva Goswami elsewhere. So, but let's go to the source. Let's go to the source. Sure, sure. So, in Paramatma Sandarbha, Anuched 19, which is where the Jiva Tattva section starts, there's one very important passage, and I'll just state it because it's, it's significant. We'll, break, we'll, we'll look at the Sanskrit. It says, Svarupa Lakshanam Padmotara Kandadika Manusritya Shri Ramanujacharya Matacharya Varena Paramavridha Shri Vaishnava Sampradaya Guruna Shri Jamatri Munino Padishtam. So it's saying here that the 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 Swarup of the, the Swarup Lakshana of the Jiva is being explained by one Jamatri Muni, Sri Jamatri Muni. And it describes him first. It 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 uh, positions him as I mean the it Shilajiva Goswami and Shigopalbata Goswami praise him before mentioning his name, and they praise him very highly. They say Paramavridha Shri Vaishnava Guruna. So you know how we had this earlier statement that Gopal Bhatta Goswami uh, gathered the writings of Vridha Vaishnavai, senior Vaishnavas. Mm. Here now, uh, Jamatri Muni is being described as Paramavridha, the most senior <laughs> or very senior guru in the Sri Vaishnav tradition. And also earlier, Sri Ramanujacharya Matacharya Varena, the best acharya in the thought of Sri Ramanujacharya. After that passage, prose passage by Srila Jiva Goswami and Gopal Bhatta Goswami, you then have four verses, one attributes of the Jiva. So, I mean, I won't go through it, but um, it starts off with Atma, Nadevo, Nanaro. And it goes all the way down to um, a quality, an attribute that is called Sheshatva. So these are 21 different attributes. And people have been looking for the sources of this for a very long time. And we now have located the source of those 21 teachings, those 21 attributes. We know where they come from. And it's uh, a, um, a work by... Sri Manavala, Sri Jamatri Muni, who's also known as Manavala Mamuni. So I'm taking you on a little bit of a journey. I realize that, and, <laughs> and I'm moving quickly. Right. But I do think that a lot of the um, studied audience who are watching this will be familiar with this and will will be able to keep up. Okay. And um, I'm moving quickly just because we maybe don't have so much time and I want to make sure to cover as much as I can. Sure. But if at any point you want to stop me or you think I should explain sure. something more, just tell me. Sure, please. sure. Yeah. So there are 21 attributes and uh, maybe, you know, just to uh, explain some of them, it starts off with Atmana Devo. It explains everything the soul is not. So the soul is not a demigod. 
atmana devo nanaro not naraha the soul is not a human the soul is not an animal not a, an immovable um uh, like a tree or a mountain the soul is not um is not it, it, not the body the soul is not the mind the soul is not the life air the soul is not the intelligence it's going through everything that the soul is not and then it begins to describe these incredible characteristics of of the soul now i i i think that this is something we should all know you know what are the attributes of the soul mm. you know we know the attributes of the physical body we know the attributes of our uh, subtle body or personality and so on but but the attributes of the soul are just astonishing and there are 21 of them that are that that uh, jamatri muni lists and then the final one is sheshatva so what's very significant is that shridajiva goswami and shigopal bhatta goswami they rely on that list of shrimanavalamamuni and then they construct the whole of Paramatma Sandarbha Anuched 19 to 37 based on that list. So they take each individual quality and they explain it. And they provide Praman from Srimad Bhagavatam, each one. So the whole of the ontology of the self is based on Sri Jamatri Muni's teachings. Now there's there's a reason for that and 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 you know we, we won't do that in this particular episode. Um, but I want to invite uh, those who are watching to an event on September the 18th, where we're going to look at this in detail. And we, we you know, there'll be a, a paper. There's a paper, 120-page paper I've written, research paper that I'm going to share. And um, devotees who are interested, they can study that if they like, get access to it, and and they can verify for themselves the integrity of these findings. And it has many more arguments and. And, and details and shastric support than than anything we're looking at here. This is like just a snapshot. We can put that uh, in the comments later on uh, regarding that event. That I think it's a Zoom call that people can join. It's a Zoom call. Right. Thank you. That'd be great. Thank yeah, you. yeah. We totally could do that. Yeah. So, Shila Jiva Goswami uh, relies on on Jamatri Muni. Jamatri Muni is a very um, important figure in the Sri Vaishnav tradition. He, he, he appeared in this world three generation, about three generations before Sri Gopal Bhatta Goswami. He's regarded as an incarnation of Sri Ramanujacharya himself. He's also regarded as a, a manifestation of Anantashesh. And those of you who are maybe in Vrindavan at the moment, if any of you are in Vrindavan or going to Vrindavan, um, in the Sri Vaishnav temple, um, uh, the Rangaji temple, uh, in in Vrindavan, there is a deity of Sri Manavalama of Sri Jamatri Muni, who's also known as Sri Manavalama Muni. There's a deity deity of him. It's difficult, you know. They often keep it closed, so you have to beg the pujari, <laughs> and yeah. they may open that altar very briefly for you. But there's a beautiful um, uh, deity of Sri Manavalama Muni. Uh, there's so much to say about him. He um, He's not a, uh, he's not a minor figure as as some people have thought. He's he's um, he reinstated the worship in Sri Rangam after the uh, Muslim conquest of South India, which lasted for about forty years. And the teachings of Sri Pillai Lokacharya, an earlier teacher, would have been lost if it were not for the commentaries, incredible commentaries 
that Sri Manavala Mamuni wrote. So he's a very important figure. And by having identified the source that was used by Sri Gopal Bhatta Goswami and Sri Lajiva Goswami, now we can understand it. It sheds some light on these 21 attributes. So just to review, just to review, so the Priti Sandarbha, the source of where, where that's coming from, uh, the quoted source is from that uh, Jamatra, Jamatri Muni. Paramatma so, Sandarbha. Paramatma Sandarbha. Sorry, Paramatma Sandarbha. And you have found those original texts. I, yes, the original text that was used for, um, by Sri Gopal Bhatta Goswami for, for uh, developing that part of Paramatma Sandarbha. Correct. And so the Paramatma Sandarbha, what say, what's being said there is in agreement with Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Well, when you look at the source text, it sheds light on these 21 attributes in a way that completely accords with Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur. So, Sheshatva, that final characteristic, uh, Sri Manavala Mamuni says, that actually is the Swarup of the Jiva. Everything else is supporting it. It's important and it's supporting it, but truly the Swarup of the Jiva, or the, the Dharma of the Jiva, he even uses the word Dharma, the Dharma of the Jiva is Sheshatva. And he says Sheshatva means Dasya, and it means pure devotion. He says Sheshatva uh, implies Priti, because um, in, there's a discussion of whether the eternal nature of the Jiva is a servant of Krishna. Is it like, is it a forced servitude? So you know how it, uh, 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 Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami says, Jivera Sarupoi Krishnera Nityadas. Right. So by nature, we're a servant of Krishna. Manavala Mamuni explains that this is the eternal nature of the Jiva, both in bondage as well as in perfection. So even now, even when we may not be absorbed in Krishna, our nature is to be an eternal servant of Krishna. Okay. It's... And, and that eternal, that servitude to Krishna that forms our nature is not a forced servitude by the injunctions of Shastra, but it's ragatva. It's spontaneous or natural. And he calls it, he refers to it as priti. Okay. And um, I wanted to, I don't know if you want to discuss this now, but about what I was speaking about earlier, like what my, what my swarupa is, is that discussed in contact with all of this? Interesting, yeah. Shimanavala Mamuni explains the, the, the meaning of Sheshatva. And he says, all of the moods of devotion, that, that all of the moods of devotion, they come from Sheshatva. So, and he speaks about reversals. So um, normally the Supreme Lord is the protector and we are the protected, but there will be these reversals coming out of love which comes from Sheshatva, where we might want to protect the Supreme Lord. And all of that comes from Sheshatva. All the different moods of devotion, parental mood, the mood that, that these moods are exemplified by the Alvars and other saints in the Sri Vaishnav tradition. Mm. Um, all of those are coming from um, Sheshatva, and they are part of the, the, the nature of the Jiva. Manavala Mamuni says that very clearly. Something that I find interesting or that I'm grappling with right at this very moment is that the Sri Vaishnav Sampradaya or who you're quoting from is pre-Mahaprabhu. 
So does that mean when it's like when Sh- when Shri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came and gave his, you know, gave without uh, thinking of 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 the person's qualification, gave them you know Mahabhava or or all that or the, his grace? Does that mean that? Uh, it's only for those who are hardwired into that particular bhava that he came to bestow. So, so how does that fit in to what the Sri Vaishnav texts are saying? Well, it's not that that that. So, Sri Manavala Mamuni explains that um, the swarupa of the jiva, the swarupa is lost to the jiva. Um, so. Um, I'll, I'll say a few things, uh, a few, um, quote a few sections or paraphrase a few sections by Manavala Mamuni because it'll explain this. So he says that um, he, speak, he uses the language of remembering and forgetting. So the jiva in this world, in bondage, has forgotten his swarup. And he says also that um, uh, he speaks about regaining one swarup. But then he stops himself and he apologizes. He says, well, the jiva has been in this world in bondage from a time without beginning, anadi. We all accept that. So if I say that I'm, uh, the jiva is remembering his swarup or is regaining his swarup, it would suggest that he had his swarup already previously. Right. <laughs> um, he says, no, don't think that. The jiva has been in bondage from a time without beginning, but that's the experience of it. When the jiva when the jiva's svarup or nature, true nature, sheshatva manifests, then it feels as if one has regained something that is very valuable and that has been lost for such a long time. And he said it feels as if one is remembering something. Um, he's expressing it as in, in the words of his own spiritual perception, much like Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur is. Thakur Bhaktivinoda says, look, language is, is problematic here. Uh, you need spiritual perception. Um, and then he uses the language of remembering, forgetting and remembering. And, and so it's not necessarily that nothing is bestowed. I mean, in a sense, you could even say that uh, a pure Vaishnava is, is giving Swarup Shakti. Swarup Shakti is moving from the heart of a pure Vaishnav into the, the, the conditioned soul. Right. But what that does is it manifests or it allows the jiva to regain or remember their Swarup, even though remember and regain are not accurate words, <laughs> although they describe the experience of it. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Oh, gosh, this is really technical. And by the way, by the way, uh, Manavala Mamuni never says disputes uh, Anadi, nor does Shiddha Bhaktivinoda Thakur. They both accept Anadi. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the 21 attributes, no, Shiddha Bhaktivinoda Thakur and Manavala Mamuni never say that the Swarup Shakti is covered by Maya Shakti. They never will say that. And mm. it requires... A close reading of Shiva Bhaktivinoda Thakur, and it helps to understand his sources. His sources, and this is quite incredible, there is strong evidence that Shiva Bhaktivinoda Thakur's source is that same text that was used by Shila Jiva Goswami and Shigopal Bhatta Goswami for their um, Paramatma Sandarbha. Same source. 
Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, put simply, Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur and Srila Jiva Goswami use the same source, rely upon the same source. Now, here's the thing, uh, Namrasa. Someone may say, okay, Srila Jiva Goswami relies on Manavala Mamuni, but he's explaining him a little bit differently. Right. You could <laughs> right. say, right? Yes. You could say, he's explaining Sheshatva differently. He's not accepting that part. But there's a, if you argue that, you put yourself in a very awkward position. Like, uh, you know, that expression um, between a rock and a hard place. Right. <laughs> because um, Srila Jiva Goswami glorifies Manabala Mamuni, relies on his teachings, uses the same terms like Sheshatva. And so if you're saying that the most important part, because Sheshatva is the most important part of Manavala Mamuni's ontology. Mm -hmm. So if you're saying that Srila Jiva Goswami has a different view on that, then it begs the following question. Did Srila Jiva Goswami, as final editor, fail to grasp Manavala Mamuni? Or alternative, alternatively, did he deliberately misrepresent him? Mm. Neither of those options is satisfactory. Right. You, you know, if you look at this in detail, or any of the devotees look at, look at this in detail, um, and, and I'll, I'll be sharing a paper on it um, on, in just a couple of weeks, and it'll have source texts. And you can, you know, I want, would love for devotees to, to take an interest and, 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 and research this themselves. For one thing, It'll, you know, if they come back with additional findings, it'll help my own research, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. help deepen it and further, because uh, it's a six-year project I've embarked on. Um, yeah. And so, but it, anyone who looks at this in detail and they look at what Sri Manavala Mamuni is saying, look at that closely. It doesn't contradict Srila Jiva Goswami. They're just saying the same thing in slightly two different ways. And Thakur Bhaktivinoda is closely following Manavala Mamuni. So Thakur Bhaktivinoda and Srila Jiva Goswami are saying the same thing, just in slightly different ways. It just requires a careful reading of Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur. I'll give you an example. Um, I'm currently studying with um, the, the Sri Vaishnav tradition with uh, a, a descendant in the family of uh, family lineage of one of Sri Ramanujacharya's original disciples, and he's an incredible scholar and 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 um, uh, uh, follower of Sri uh, um, Manavala Mamoni. And he he explained that. Um, so, okay, well, maybe I'll leave this point for a little bit later, but um, what I want to say briefly is, is simply that if, you, if we look at the teachings of Manavala Mamuni carefully, Srila Jiva Goswami won't contradict his own source. How, you know, you rely on a source in that way, and then you present something that is, is, is in complete opposition to it, um, it really just requires a careful reading of Sri Manavala Mamuni. And, and um, this teacher from South India has explained to me that traditionally when you study Vedanta in, in South India, you first study Nyaya, right? Because the teachings of Nyaya really help you in understanding Vedanta. These different schools 
the, the six darshans are not independent. They, they, they borrow from each other. So one principle of Nyaya is that inherence and locus are not the same. Something can be inherent. It doesn't mean that it's located geographic, geographically within that same thing. Locus and inherence need not coincide. Mm. If you look at a jiva, you know, if this was possible, imagine it was possible. You, you separated a jiva. Not possible because a jiva is anu, uh, inseparable. <laughs> but yeah. imagine, you, you wouldn't find Krishna praying there in a conditioned jiva. No one is saying that if you opened up a jiva, uh, uh, the Atman, <laughs> although that's impossible, you would find Krishna praying there. Krishna Prem is inherent, but locus and inherence are two different categories. Wait, what's locus again? Lo locus is where something is located in geographical space. So then, so then, what's the argument then? There is. It's silly. It's absolutely silly. <laughs> Wait, hold on a second. We're doing this whole episode for for. Uh, so you're saying that it. Repeat the point you just made because it's 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 I'm I'm having trouble understanding because there's no argument if you're saying that if you're opening up the jiva then the Krishna Prem is not there. We are used to seeing things through Cartesian lens, the Cart a lens of Cartesian space. We Western uh, we have Western spectacles on, and we're looking at this through our own conditioning, um, educational condi you know ed ed uh, conditioning. So we think that when we say inherence, we mean it's physically located there. Right. But, but that's not, that's not, location and inherence are two different categories. I'll develop, I'll speak more about that on, on September the 18th. September the 18th is a really important day because it's the appearance day of Srila Jiva Goswami in India. And mm. it's the appearance day of Srila Bhakti Vinod Thakur simultaneously in all countries west of India. So it's a really right. auspicious conjunction. And, okay. and so this is like a, 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 a snapshot of a, of a more in-depth discussion we'll have. Right. There. And is that going to be like you're going to speak on your own or is it going to be someone else other like a panel or something or just? Um, I'll, just be, I'll just be presenting the, the okay. findings and, and, and directing people to the, to the paper that I've, I've been working on. Okay. I would love for a panel. Maybe that's gonna, something that's going to happen in the future. Um, I think there's a lot of work we can do. I'm not actually focused on the theology. My, my focus at the University of Oxford is it's in the study of religion. So it's focusing on source texts, looking at the source texts and seeing what the implications are. I mean, there's a whole, uh, uh, um, it's, it's quite a sophisticated uh, air, discipline where you're using different methods, adaptive reuse, simple reuse, and, and looking at, and really helpful for looking at what's happening. You right. know, this is something that I, that I found in my studies. Very interesting. You can come across passages um, where there are uh, um, where where there are quotes from previous sources, but someone today will not even know that they're quoting previous sources. It right. would have been understood at the time by right. a, a learned reader, but today we're just in the dark on these things. Mm -hmm. So, as a, as the host like, of the show. Like, could I just add one thing? Yeah, did yeah. You know, did you know that a third of Sri Upadesh Amrita is 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 uh, comes from other? Should Rupa Goswami is drawing from other sources? A third of Upadesh Amrita. Wow, I did not know that. Anyway, <laughs> so I want to I want to just ask you. So, is the crux of the argument 
of your argument coming mostly from this newfound uh, original text by that Muni? Um, partly, yes. Um, there's several texts in, in, in Mani Pravala, but also um, uh, research showing that Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur um, was deeply interested in, 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 the, in the Sri Vaishnava tradition and that he had access to the text. Um, he lived, so right outside the Jagannath Mandir, the Simhadvara gate, 10 meters away, there's Imar Mat, which was, it's a Sri Vaishnav Mat dedicated to Sri Manavala Mamuri. It had a huge library. Um, they they worshiped deities of Sri Radha and Krishna. That Mat is now destroyed. But at the time of Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, it was the largest and wealthiest Mat in Jagannath Puri. Oh, wow. And Thakur Bhaktivinod mentions the text in his writings, <laughs> the source text. He mentions it. And um, he also quotes, uh, he also translated one of the Rahasya Granthas of Pillai Lokacharya, the, the uh, Artha Panchaka. He translates it and he has his own notes. And he published extensively on, on, on the Sri Vaishnava Sampradaya. It, it's evident that he knew. He's using the same language. So right. Manavala Mamuni says, uses, speaks of, being Atma Choda, the thief of the soul. So we, the Jiva, we've lost our Swarup and we're pretending to be someone else in this world. Yeah. Having lost our Swarup, uh, Manavala Mamuni says it's so lost, we don't even know we've lost it. Um, you could even say it's destroyed. Uh, he, he's just emphasizing how far away we are from our Swarup, our nature, that is. And um, he says that the Jiva is like is Atma Choda, a thief of his own soul. Thakur Bhaktivinoda in Datta Kaustuba, beginning of Datta Kaustuba, Atma Choda, end of Datta Kaustuba. He again, he, 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 he's, he's pleading to, to the Supreme Lord. He says, Krishna, I am a thief of my own soul. Please chastise me for this, um, uh, for this uh, uh, misdoing and mm -hmm. tie me up with the ropes of Prem. So the, the parallels are just extraordinary. So I've, I'm focusing on historical evidence relating to Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur and also textual evidence that is the, the, the source materials, especially one text, but others also, that are composed by Manavala Mamuni and that are the source of Thakur Bhaktivinoda's presentation as well as Srila Jiva Goswami's. So how do we explain the other parts of the sandarbhas which are which are saying that it's not inherent like for example in the preeti sandarbha or the bhakti sandarbha if if do we have the the source texts of those in the same way we have them as with the uh, paramatma sandarbha these other passages are simply saying that bhakti is bestowed they're saying that uh, the soul has been in this world anadi without a time without beginning they're saying that um, uh, they, they're providing these various statements that are not they're not they they're not necessarily in conflict. If you understand Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur through Manavala Mamuni, these other sources, these other statements that relate to a few of the points that that I mentioned earlier, which His Holiness Padmanabh Swami um, brought out in his presentation, they they're not they can be reconciled without. Right. 
Yeah. So, so if if they can be reconciled, then what was the historical when you said it happened eighty years ago with Ananda Vasudev and um, Sundarananda Vidyavinod? What was their what was their argument then? If if this can all be reconciled, well, um, their their argument in particular was relating to the the, the cyclic succession, and and they were using that as part of um, their their presentation, but they didn't have. Look, this is basically what's happened is 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 the following. Um, Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur read extremely widely, and he deeply learned, and he had access to these sources, and of course, uh, Srila Jiva Goswami had access to those sources through Sri Gopal Bhatta Goswami, but over time we've 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 lost sight of you know the sources that Thakur Bhaktivinoda used. Um, right. that, that's really the reason. Now it's easier than ever to, to search for sources because we're an inter interconnected world. I can, I can uh, uh, take lessons from a, a specialist in, in this topic and who's a, a, an extraordinary Vaishnavan scholar through Zoom. That was never possible before. And yeah. some of these texts, not all of them, I mean, India has, the libraries of India have hundreds of thousands of manuscripts that no one has looked at and no one knows what they are exactly. Mm -hmm. So that, um, even in Vrindavan, the Vrindavan Institute, if you ever have a chance to go in there, it's just incredible what's, what's there. We haven't even begun to start um, studying and looking at what, what's available there. Mm. But really, I, I want to just emphasize that, that um, the research work that I'm doing is not focusing on the theology. Right. I'm focusing on, on three things. Well, there are three conclusions that I've reached. One is you cannot say anymore that Shuddha Bhaktivinoda Thakur invented his presentation. That's over now. This is not his own recent innovation. This has a long uh, um, uh, Shastric comment, comes from a long and highly respected Shastric commentarial tradition. That's right. the first thing. That's without dispute. The second thing is you cannot say that Thakur Bhaktivinoda's presentation is Apasiddhanta. If it's Apasiddhanta, then you're saying that Sri Manavala Mamuni is Apasiddhanta. You're saying that the Sri Vaishnav understanding of their own Diksha mantras is Apasiddhanta. You're saying that Gopal Bhatta Goswami was Apasiddhantic because he would have understood Manavala Mamuni in, in exactly the same way as Manavala Mamuni intended. And you're saying that Sri Jiva Goswami relied upon uh, an apasiddhantic source. So whatever one's position, you know, I don't mind whether someone thinks the bhakti is inherent or it's not inherent. Whatever position you have, you cannot say that Thakur Bhaktivedod is presenting apasiddhanta. Unless... Is, who is saying that? Well, a, a book has come out saying it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, uh, his Holiness Padmanabh Swami is saying it's not Siddhanta, it's against the Siddhanta that's presented by, 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 um, by Shri Jiva Goswami. If something is against Siddhanta, it's called Apa Siddhanta. He, he's, of course, Padmanabh Swami is very well intentioned. He's trying to safeguard, uh, protect the heritage of Shri Bhaktivinoda Thakur. But we can't say that. It's not, you cannot say it's Apa Siddhanta when you know the sources that Shri Bhaktivinoda Thakur uses. 
And the third thing that uh, the third point. I mean, oh, one second before that. I think if we ask him, I won't think he would say that it's up a Siddhanta, obviously. But you're he, saying he, if you could, he he won't may not say it directly, but he'll call it maybe provisional Siddhanta. So he used the, the word, uh, he used the example of a stork story, uh, a stork, right? Stork, so right. Um, uh, say a child asks a mother, um, you know, where did I come from? Right. Mother is not in a position to be able to explain to the child the human reproductive system. Right. So, um, you know, she'll tell him, she'll tell the child a story. There was a stork that was, the stork was carrying you in a basket and the stork placed you here in front of my home and I found you and the child is elated. Right. But so it's not a, the scientific explanation is, is the human reproductive system. You cannot say that the stork story is provisional science. It's not. It's just not scientific. It's a story, but it was for a particular purpose. Mm. So if we're saying that Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur was teaching about the jiva in a way that contradicts what Jiva Goswami is saying, and we're saying Jiva Goswami represents Siddhanta, we are saying that Bhaktivinoda Thakur presented Apa Siddhanta. Call a spade a spade. That's what we're saying. Mm, I see what you're saying. And I don't mean that as a, you know, I understand what, what Maharaj is trying to do, and it's, it's one approach, but that approach, we should be very careful before we um, uh, begin doing what, what might be called theological erasure. So obviously, uh, you know, uh, no one is saying that we should strike out passages from the books of Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur or Srila Prabhupada. But in effect, we're saying large sections of these books no longer have theological value. They're simply quaint historical vestiges that, you know, a preaching strategy that, that you know, was working in the, in the 1800s, but is no longer relevant today. Right. I see what you're saying. I think that we should not take that direction yet. We should see what we can do with Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur's teachings by understanding them. Put more energy into deeply understanding Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur's teachings. Look at his sources. See how we can uh, reconcile this. And from, my, from what I've looked at so far, although I'm focusing on the study of religion, not theology, I don't see insuperable difficulties. Mm. I interrupted you when you were explaining, I think, the third point. Oh, uh, the third point is that it problematizes the claim that Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur is discontinuous from the Gaudiya Vaishnav tradition and Srila right. Jiva Goswami. That's not something that can be said so easily anymore. The thing about a religious tradition is the following. Um, it's They're complex. Traditions are complex. Yeah. And, you know, they have you have different acharyas and authors explaining and, and borrowing from different sources sometimes. And it, it's not helpful to collapse the complexity and lose nuance. Sometimes acharyas are explaining things just in a different way, um, you know, for a particular purpose. So I'll give you an example. This very topic created a division in the Sri Vaishnava Sampradaya. Like the biggest split in the Sri Vaishnava Sampradaya is between the Tengalai, uh, northern. Uh, Tengalais are the southern school in Sri Rangam, and the right. Vadakalais, the northern school in, in Kanchipuram. Now, Manavala Mamuni puts a lot of emphasis on Sheshatva, 
and says Sheshatva is, is truly the Swarup of the Jiva, the nature of the Jiva. That nature exists both in, 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 in the state of uh, bondage as well as in the state of perfection, just it may be manifest or not manifest. Um, another Acharya, Vedanta Deshi, Sri Vedanta Deshika, he argues against that. And he, he was um, around the same time as Manavala Mamuni, a little bit before. So he argues against that position, which is the position of Pilai Lokacharya and Manavala Mamuni. So there's like um, some uh, disagreement on the nature of the soul. Mm. That then leads many generations later. So in the 17, uh, in the late 17th century and 18th century, it led to a, a big div division in, in the tradition with even um, uh, competition for temples, control of temples and so on. Um, but what's significant is that, um, well, a few things that are significant. Um, one of them is that Manavala Mamuni and 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 Vedanta Deshika were simply engaged in different enterprises. Manavala Mamuni was uh, uh, Vedanta Deshika wanted to protect the tradition, so he was like very uh, in that sense, um, very much like Shuddha Jiva Goswami wanted to make sure that no uh, arguments could be made against it by Advaitins, mm -hmm. and he objected to certain statements that Manavala Mamuni makes. Um, like Manavala Mamuni says that the, the Jiva Swarup can be, you know, is destroyed. He doesn't mean it literally, but uh, the Jiva Swarup is destroyed because it's just so lost to the mm. Jiva in bondage. And Vedanta Deshika says, no, 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 the Swarup can never be destroyed. And it, they have like a little bit, they have great respect for each other. And they even quote each other, but they, uh, well, Manavala Mamuni quotes from Vedanta Deshika. But they, they have this, this disagreement on a few nuances and expressions. Now, Manavala Mamuni is similar to Shiva Bhaktivinoda Thakur. He's interested in bringing the Sri Vaishnava tradition all over. He wants to inspire. So he's speaking from his moods. He's speaking from his, his, his devotion and his spiritual perception. And so they're engaged in slightly different enterprises, but many generations down the line that can lead to a whole schism mm. i think it's, it's very, you know very important to understand what is an acharya trying to do exactly rather than just immediately moving for the uh, theological erasure another interesting point um, is that shirajiva goswami could have picked vedanta deshika as a source it aligns well with, uh, you know, uh, the idea that bhakti is not inherent. Right. Could have picked Vedanta uh, uh, Deshika, but he didn't. He picked Manavala Mamuni, mm. who places that emphasis on Sheshatva. Wow. Fascinating. I, I acknowledge that these are uh, complex issues. Um, and I, I, I want to apologize that, you know, we're moving this through this so quickly. There may be some listeners who um maybe we've lost i don't know i hope not um but on september the 18th we'll continue the discussion there'll also be a paper if anyone wants to read it because easier sometimes reading reading this sure. and going over it carefully sure sure um 
Yeah, I want to emphasize that uh, September 18th um, event as well as the paper. If, we, if, if you send those to me, I can put them on, uh, on, on, on the comment section and we can, uh, devotees can, can uh, you know, access those. Prabhu, is there any, anything else that you want to, uh, any points you want to make before we go to the comments? Because there's over 200 comments and I'm sure there's some questions in there that someone would like to ask you. There's about 180 people watching so I, I want to um, say uh, say something about what this journey has been for me personally sure yeah so I don't know if any of you have read um, uh, the Alchemist by Paulo Coelho I have not it's 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 a short story where there's a shepherd looking for treasure and the shepherd is is he sleeps uh, it's been many years ago since I read that, so I'm going from memory. But he's he's sleeping in a, in an old church that is derelict, and he has a dream of this treasure. And then he goes searching for it. He makes that his aim, and this his journey takes him to distant lands. He goes to the 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 the, the deserts of the Sahara deserts, and he he goes through all kinds of adventures. And in the end, he discovers that the treasure that he was looking for was directly under the place where he was sleeping in that derelict church. <laughs> wow. So that's what the experience has been for me. I started mm -hmm. off with a, a very simple um, faith in Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur and his teachings, which I took at face value. Then I heard these various questions, you know, questioning, is that, you know, was he presenting something that's accurate? Is it authentic? There's always this... Um, impulse to try and find authenticity <laughs> right. and yes. then i went on this search uh which took me to different places in india um, i want to thank the 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 uh, uh the bhaktivedanta research center in calcutta an Is iscon project that is absolutely incredible the work that they're doing yeah. um allows us to, to 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 access the original library of Shira Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, which Sundarananda Vidyavinod's family kindly gifted to Shira Bodhayan Maharaj, who then get, uh, uh, passed that over to the Institute. So the journey has taken me you know, to South India, uh, Sri Rangam, and so on. But it's led me back to the teachings of Shira Bhakti Vinod Thakur. I know for certain now, following my research, that I can trust those teachings. Mm. Wow. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Let's look at the comments section here. Um, I actually can't go through them because there's too many comments. <laughs> Krishna. Uh, okay. I, I don't want to... Uh... Okay. Mukunda Prabhu uh, always has some wonderful um, comments to make. I, I appreciate him. I'm actually going to bring him on the show. Uh, oh, great. Yeah, so let's see what he's saying here. Um, very, very learned by Shnav Mukunda yes, Prabhu. Yes, yes. Uh, let's see this. This looks kind of very technical, but we'll give it a shot. Is there a verse and or commentary that Jamatri states that being Paramat Paramatmaika Sishatva is pretty. 
Yes, I'll, I'll send, um, I'll, I'll <laughs> s in the paper, there will be quotations relating to that directly from the source, all including right. all of those statements that, that the various moods of devotion and their different transformations and their different levels all come from Sheshatva. That also will be presented with uh, 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 source references and quotes. You okay. know what I've what I've done, uh, um, Prabhu, is I, I have taken a selection of quotes from Shida, from Sri Jamatri Muni, and then uh, I also have quotes from Shida Bhaktivinoda Thakur, and they match. They're like it's just uh, astonishing. They're saying exactly the same thing. Right, right. Okay, from uh, our friend Kishori Mohan. So, what are we supposed to gather from this? It is inherent. It it is inherent, but not present. No, it's present. It's it's inherent. And okay, this comes back to um, this is yeah, it's an important question. Um, the there's a reason why the Sri Vaishnav Sampradaya stress that um, they stress that everything in the state of um, in the state of perfection is found in some form in the jiva. And there's a reason that they that they say that because a paradigm of Vedanta is that perfection in Vedanta is the removal of um, false designations and the reinstating of the self in his or, or her original position. That's a fundamental paradigm of Vedanta. If you say that um, the identity that we have in the spiritual world is um, not in any way connected to a fundamental attribute like Sheshatva, then you would be saying that we, we would be the only school or one of the only schools of Vedanta that re rejects, that teaches that we should reject false designations only to accept a new false designation in the state of perfection. False being, meaning uh, something that's not connected to the soul, that's not intrinsic to the self, but that is uh, aropita, superimposed. Anyway, this is a long conversation. I didn't want to actually go into this because I okay. know that there will be some counter, uh, you know, some points in, in response sure, sure. to that. And, you know, it's actually that in itself merits a much a lengthier discussion. The only point I want to make is that the Shri, for the Sri Vaishnava Sampradaya, it's very important as a matter of Vedanta, as a paradigm of Vedanta, to say that um, that the the state of perfection of the jiva is is not something that that is superimposed on the jiva, but is found in in some form in the jiva. Okay, uh, this is a, a a cool comment of clarification. Maybe we can talk about this now. I understand the title. We're all agreeing on the philosophical issue, but Prabhu is taking objection to the fact that Bhaktivinoda Thakur changed anything while essentially he didn't. That's right. That's right. And I apologize if um, if the title came across as combative or, you know, some people may have read uh, insinuations in it. 
and and that was not intended. I I I liked it because that's like clickbait for me. You know, people want to click it, and that's why. Anyway, that's thank you for for explaining. I, I want to say I love Shama Sundar Peru's uh, uh, image, the photo that he have. He always has a really uh, big smile. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, here's a question from our friend Ravi, who who also came on the podcast. How does this strong South Indian influence, in terms of the source of Jiva Goswami's writings? correlate with the Radhakrishna teachings that we feel that are the topmost teachings in terms of the ultimate source and object of love for the soul, when in South India this is not emphasized? I mean, I mean he means in Sri Vaishnavism. It's a very, yeah, very, very uh, interesting question. Um, I've been looking at the, the writings, the beautiful poetry of the Alvars, mm. and their poetry is just astonishing. So Nam Alvar in particular, and also uh, Andal Alvar, they're speaking. Uh, they're expressing the moods of devotion in of of uh, following the, the gopis of Brindavan. So they speak about. I mean, I read a passage. I wondered whether it was coming from, <laughs> whether it was not from the writings of Shudarupa Goswami. Um, mm. it, it, it you know just beautiful explaining the different uh, types of meeting and different types of separation and and really expressing the mood of of. Uh, uh, following, inspired by Srimad Bhagavatam and the gopis of, of Vrindavan. There are differences. Um, one difference, of course, is that in, in the Sri Vaishnava tradition, um, Krishna is considered to be an, an avatar of Narayan. So the Sri Vaishnavas will, of course, still worship Sri Ram or Sri Narayan, uh, uh, Sri Krishna, Krishna in Braj, but they will consider that that uh, the ultimate source, the, if you want the supreme personality of Godhead for them is Sri Narayan. Right. Uh, another difference is that they do not have uh, a service to Srimati Radhika. And, and another difference also is that um, they, they, they don't have a systematized exposition of rasa. So, you know, discussion of staibhav, um, uh, uh, right. and so on. That's something that that's the, uh, the unique contribution of Srila Rupa Goswami to our lineage. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, let's see. Um... Um, in, in response to um, Kishori Mohan Prabhu's question, yes, uh, he said, is it inherent but not present? It's present, but um, the, it's, uh, it's present in an inherent form. But our Swarup, according to Manavala Mamuni, I don't want to say what anyone, you know, according to Manavala Mamuni, the, mm -hmm. the Swarup of the Jiva is lost to the Jiva at this time. It's is, is the best way to express it. It's so lost that it even appears to be destroyed. And if you combine that with our tradition, that Swarup, that nature is is we are able to remember it. You could even say we are gifted it by a Vaishnav. Mm. Okay. Um, Mukunda Prabhu, again, what is mutually agreed is Sarup Shakti is not inherent in the Buddha Jiva. Would you, what would you say to that? I have never seen, well, I, I'm not, I'm going to leave out that question. I'm not going to respond to it because um, uh, for two reasons. One of them is that the Sri Vaishnav tradition, they don't, they speak about the jivas being a shakti, but they don't, I've not yet come across uh, a, a detailed discussion of Swarup Shakti 
in the writings of Manabalamamuni, so I can't comment on that. Okay. I also want to say that I I don't have a wholly worked out theological solution that connects everything. Uh, I haven't sure. done that that done that work. That's I'm hoping right. that, that that you know senior Vaishnavas might be interested in doing that. I have focused really on the in the study of religion and and finding these sources and seeing what some of the implications are. Right, right. Thank you for for clarifying that. Yeah, the theology is another part of this. Um, okay, here's a question. Uh, this looks like from um, the devotees who are running uh, the late. B.G. Nishringa Maharaj's, uh, you know, a, a Facebook. Uh, during his lifetime, Bhaktivedanta Thakur wrote about Jiva Tattva many times in his works. Do you think it would be correct to say that if his concept on Bhakti being inherent in the Jiva was so opposed to Gaudiya Siddhanta, his Diksha Guru, and the uh, Bhagna Paragaswamis would have corrected or rejected him? Also, was this same concept of Jiva Tattva something that the Bhanga Paragaswami shared? I know that Vipina Vihari wrote a book called Dasha Mula Rasa. So I was, oh, looks like it's cut off. Uh, so it's, yeah, uh, great, really good question. Um, it, I'm going to take fact, it off the screen so we can see you. Um, in fact, um, the, the, the Bhagnapara uh, Goswamis accorded the title of Bhakti Vinod to Sri Kedarnath Dutta. Um, for his literary contributions. So they would have looked at, um, they would have read the works of, of Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, especially, you know, perhaps Krishna Samhita, certainly um, Datta Kaustuba, which was published quite a few years earlier. And in those books, he mentions, Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, that Prema is the Swarup of the Jiva. And they would not have accorded him the title Bhaktivinoda if they objected to his writings. And um, Sri Vipin Bihari Goswami was deeply learned. I mean, if you look at his, he was prolific, the, the, the books that he wrote, a real scholar. And we have no record of him uh, objecting to Srila Bhaktivinoda's explanation of the Swarup of the Jiva. Mm. Okay. Uh, it looks like we have Lalita Madhava also joined uh, watching. Nice to see you, Prabhu. Where does the substantive distinction lie between the notion of the soul's dormant love as in, in the inherent view, and that of the soul's potentiality to love, as in the bestowed view, when both are held to only manifest relative to certain external conditions, i.e. the mercy of the Vaishnava. Let me just read that one more time. Sure, yeah. He's a great writer. <laughs> great communicator. Okay. Yeah, no, this is very important, very, very interesting point. So some say, and I've not, I don't, you know, Padmanabh Swami hasn't mentioned this, um, but some actually say that where it says, Jivadas Swarupoi Krishnera Nityadas, they say that the Jiva is, is not um, eternally a servant of, of Krishna, but only has the potential to be a servant of Krishna. So they say that they, they want to add in the word yogeta, which means capacity. So they want to say jivera sarupai krishneda yogeta nityadas. The, the, the jiva has the capacity to be an eternal servant of Krishna. But now look at the jiva. He or she, you know, he or she is not a, a servant of Krishna. Um, I'm using he and she for the for the for the jiva. Um, grammatically, 
the jiva is is masculine. Chaitana, Atman, and jiva are masculine, but theologically feminine. So uh, I'm just going to say one or the other. Um, but so this idea that the jiva is is has the capacity to to be a servant of Krishna. Um, Manavala Mamuni completely contra- uh, uh, refutes that. He 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 teaches that the jiva is by nature um, a servant of Krishna now at this mm-hmm. time, um, but that nature is lost to him. And so um, this is this is very interesting because it allows us to understand the teachings of Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami in the simplest way as he wrote them. So this conversation that we're having between about, you know, whether Shuddha Bhaktivinoda Thakur is consistent with Shuddha Jiva Goswami, that same discussion has been going on for a long time about the writings of Shuddha Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami. People have been saying, well, Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami is not concordant with Shuddha Jiva Goswami. And others have been saying, yes, he is. And they've been writing pages and pages on simple uh, uh, verses in, in Bengali that Kaviraj Goswami never intended to be explicated in pages. He, he intended his writings to be very in, easily understood by anyone. So, but now we're able to look at the writings of Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami and, and understand them in the way that he, in the simplest, easiest way to understand them because they, um, they closely reflect what the original source, um, the way the original source expresses it. That that servitude to Krishna, which includes prema, is not something that is merely a capacity. Um, it's more than that. The soul is constructed for it. The raison d'être, the 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 reason to be, and the purpose and construction of the soul is to be an eternal servant of Krishna in prayer. So it's not merely a capacity. A capacity is something where, uh, you know, you can go be, you can have the capacity to, to, to imagine I have a vessel, right? Yeah. I can fill this up. It has the capacity to fill nectar or to be filled with poison, right? Yeah. The same vessel. But that's not the case with the jiva. The jiva is constructed to have a relationship with Krishna in prema. It, he, he or she is built in that way. And how do we know that? Be, and this is, I'm, 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 I'm quoting Manavala Mamuni here. He says, how do we know that? Because the jiva attains full fulfillment upon attaining bhakti. When, when that nature, that bhakti nature is, is, is brought out, is, is probably a better way to express it. Um, then, the jiva feels there's nothing more, or the, the soul feels there's nothing more that needs to be achieved or attained. Hmm. One would not experience that if it was merely a capacity. Right. It's because the jiva is constructed in that way, so the jiva attains full fulfillment. Or um, uh, it, the jiva attains his natural destiny. What he was made to be—that's what Sri Manavala Mamuni explains. Now, again, you know, I—I've—I've I've only completed one year of research on this topic, so right. 
the five. I'm still, I'm still looking onto it. I'm still right. looking into it. I haven't submitted anything uh, at this stage, even. Uh, this is like I'm sharing this because I was actually going to hold on to this for six years and oh. then present it. And then I thought, well, you know, that's often what people do. They do their research quietly and then they write a book or something uh, right. or, 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 you know, you present your thesis. But I just, you know, with the conversations that I've been having, uh, that have been uh, th these various conversations and, and debates over this issue, yeah. I just felt that this is too important for our tradition for me to just sit on it. And, and, and so I, I thought, well, I'm just going to, it doesn't belong to me. Um, I, I just present it to all of you, the Vaishnavas and Vaishnavis. Sure, sure. And maybe Great. it can be helpful. Okay. Uh, question here. Some say that Bhaktivinoda Thakur invented the region known as Tatashta. Can you speak on that? Do you know anything about that? I, I've seen this particular debate. Um, oh, this and, is another debate? Another debate? Uh, well, no, it's related. It's related. People okay. bring it up to show that Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur was, um, was uh, you know, wrong or I don't, yeah. I, I, I've seen this come up. I haven't looked at it in detail. Um, I can say that um, uh, some Vaishnavas say that, they, they say that Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur is just trying to um, explain it in a way that's simple and and not to get too hung up on it, yeah. um, but I haven't looked at this in detail. This particular, it's just I think it's one phrase, sure. one sentence in Jaiva Dharma. Um, perhaps it's found elsewhere as well, but it's not something that I've studied. Right, right. Okay. <sighs> to um, there are many other quick uh, questions here, uh, but it's like going down rabbit holes uh, and okay. and just a lot of. A lot of it. So one thing I want to say about the comment section is be very kind, be generous, be respectful when we're discussing this, because this is not meant to be really discussed on a Facebook thread as Prabhu way in the beginning has, uh, you know, established, but we're trying our best to um, explain things. And I'm not able, I'm not able to see the comments. Are there lots of aggressive comments? <laughs> no, no, no. There's, there's not a, there's not at all. I don't see uh, aggressive comments because it's a lot of people that I know that I've interacted with online. It seems like uh, there's a lot of appreciation also of the way this is being discussed and, and uh, like that. So um, nothing really, uh, you know, I, crazy. I would like to reiterate the, 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 sure. object, uh, the, the findings that like the conclusions of, of the research yeah, work please. That I've done so far, which is simply that whatever one's position may be in in this on this particular question, yes, because um, there are you know there are clearly uh, there are nuanced positions also, but there are basically two. There have been historically two positions on this, um, seemingly in conflict with each other. But um, whatever one's position is, um, this research, these findings, they they. They establish three things. One, that Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur's presentation is not his own, uh, you know, it's not a figment of his imagination. It comes right. from a long and highly respected Shastric commentarial tradition. Number two, um, we cannot say, knowing the source, that, that his presentation is Apasiddhanta. That's collapsed. That right. claim has collapsed. And number three, um, to say uh, to say that 
his presentation is discontinuous with the Chaitanya Vaishnav tradition is really quite problematic. It's not a uh, anyone who wants to make that claim. They're in difficult, you know. They 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 have to deal with a lot of other issues. So it's not something that can can be said very easily anymore. Hmm. And I also want to just say that I, I, you know, it's early, still early stages of the research, but you'll be able to see this paper, which has full source references and arguments and many more arguments as well, right. and, 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 and findings. This is really, uh, this is my first presentation on the topic. It's very, really just a snapshot. I'm honored. Um, oh, <laughs> and um, if any of you are interested, come to the event on September the 18th. We'll discuss it further. Um, will, you post about it, will you post about it on Facebook for, for all the devotees? I will. We'll follow yes. you on Facebook. Okay. Let me just I post. Uh, I was going to do this at the end, but we're coming close to the end, it seems. But if you want to follow Prabhu on Facebook, he goes by Simon Haas on Facebook. And you can uh, get all the information that he's discussing right now about the paper, about the presentation, if you uh, follow him on Facebook. So go ahead and give him a follow, a friend, a friend request, and all that stuff, and you'll be able to see it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, do you have any other additions to your to your conclusion there, Prabhu, that you want to add before we end? Um, maybe I'll end with a verse from Padyavali that Please. really inspires me, and it's on the topic of debate. Sure. Um, I'll, I'll utter the Sanskrit just because the composition is really beautiful. Jai, yes. Navayang uh, kavayo natarkika Nacha Vedanta Nitanta Paragaha Nacha Vadini Varakahaparam Kapata Bhida Kishora Kinkaraha. This is Padyavali 72, text 72, and um, Rupa Goswami's work. And, and, and he's saying, uh, this verse is saying, um, we are no poets or logicians. We have not crossed the ocean of the vast ocean of Vedanta, and we certainly do not win debates. We are servants of a cheating coward boy. Um, that verse was actually composed by Sri Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya. Beautiful. He, you know how learned he was. He never lost a single debate except to Mahaprabhu or Krishna himself. But it encapsulates the mood of, of our tradition. We're not, uh, we don't actually have a culture of debate. Sometimes we, uh, as in Jaiva Dharma, um, sometimes, you know, we have to, 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 to uh, we may have to debate to try to um, protect our tradition in the way that we think is, is best, but it's always re reluctantly and as, as a last resort, and, and it's not a modus operandi that through debate we can somehow discover um, Tata Siddhanta. That's through yeah. Guru Shishayo, through discussions between Guru and disciple. Beautiful, beautiful. I, I, it comes out in your in your mood and in your the way you're speaking. That this is this is the point. The point being that we have to do things according to. Uh, you know, Sadhu says so much about ourselves uh, about uh, this whole thing that we have. To, what studying shastra and Siddhanta, What should what should the the fruit of that be the fruit of that should be we become more humble we become more tolerant we we are seeing the unity in everyone and uh yeah i think and thank you so much prabhu for joining me and for 
doing this first discussion on this topic that you're going to do like a six-year PhD on. And it was very brave of you to come to talk on uh, on this topic. And and again, really grateful from deep within my heart. Thank you so much, Shamra Sephiro. Yes, Hare Krishna. So if you want to get in touch with uh, Sundar Golpal Prabhu again, uh, check him out on Facebook. He will put up all his different uh, things that he's doing. He also does, you know, p- for those who were, weren't listening from the very beginning, check out this fantastic book, Yoga and the Dark Night of the Soul. This is Prabhu's book about his journey um, through, uh, you know, of how he found, you know, his own Krishna consciousness through his, uh, through his journey and also of how you can um, go through your own dark night of the soul. We all do. And so I, when, I, when I did, uh, the many of that I've been through, this one really helped me. So come check that out as well. Uh, uh, Sundar Gopal, please stay on. I'm going to turn okay. off the live. Thank you, everyone, for joining. Have a great uh, rest of your evening. Hare Krishna, Hare.